0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Woo <laughs> Welcome to our new sanctuary. If you're here for the first time, or visiting with us, and wonder. I mean, we're always this excited to be together. In particular, this morning we are delighted to be back in our. Any suggestions, Kevin? <laughs> in our new and improved sanctuary. So it is so good to be together. I have just a few announcements before we begin this morning. You know, something's just not working for me about this. I think I think this is going to help. <laughs> All right, that's much better. <laughs> There's nothing like preaching with the threat of tripping on the ripped carpet up here to keep you on your toes. Okay, I, feel, I feel much more comfortable with the carpet now. Okay, a few announcements for us as we begin our time together. Um, I want to, just on a practical note, remind you of some fire, uh, what's what's the word, what to do in the event of a fire. So this is our kind of dividing line. If you are on this side of the room, in the case of a fire, you can exit through those doors. If you are on this side of the pole, you're invited to go out through those doors. And the really important thing to note is that our Sunday school kids, they all have doors on their rooms, and they will be taken outside to a meeting place. So don't go get your kids Just leave, and we will all reconvene together outside in the unlikely event of a fire. But in this new space, we wanted to remind you of those details. There's a note for any children that would like to be involved in our Christmas Eve nativity service. Um, There's going to be a nativity time at the end of our service on the 24th, and Rowena would love to meet you today after the service for about 45 minutes. So if kids can stick around after the service today, we'd love to have you be part of that uh, nativity on Christmas Eve. Uh, And on that note, our Christmas Eve is a family-friendly service. It's going to be at 7 p.m. right here in our beautiful new space. And we hope that you'll come. Feel free to invite your friends. We'd love to uh, enjoy worshiping and gathering together at that time. Just a note for year-end giving. We're going to be taking up an offering today. However, uh, you aren't too late. Next Sunday is actually the last available date to get in your givings for the 2019 year. So if you uh, need to do that for any tax reasons, feel free to do that this Sunday or next Sunday as well. And we're really grateful for your faithful giving all year round. So thank you. Uh, just to note, there's a group of people that are going to be going out caroling tonight at 5 p.m. here at the church, going around the neighborhood and uh, yeah, caroling to our neighbors. So please let Pastor Alex know if you would like to come so he can make sure there's enough hot chocolate for everyone That's tonight at 5 p.m. here at the church. And just to note that we have uh, some different office hours over the holiday season, so the office is going to be closed from December 25th through January 1st, and it will reopen on January the 2nd. We have another delightful announcement this morning. There's a rose up here again. We're delighted that Christiane and Alan Orsini welcome their baby boy Tobias on December 19th this week. Yeah. And finally, just a note: this morning's service is a little bit unusual. Uh, this is a lessons and chaos, service, and so that means that there's going to be you're going to get your exercise as well this morning. We're going to have a little bit more standing up and sitting down. Just want to extend an invitation: if that's not comfortable for you for any reason, please feel free to uh, participate in whatever way serves you best. But there's going to be a little bit more up and down than we normally have, and just wanted you to be uh, prepared for that in advance. I'm now going to invite Ligia and Leandro Bastos, who will come up, and they're going to lead us in lighting our Advent candle.
1: So today we are we will light the first three candles of the Advent wreath: the candles of hope, peace, and joy. And now we light the fourth candle of Advent. This is the candle of love. Jesus is the good shepherd who loved by making sacrifice, even to the point of giving his own life. Advent is a time of kindness, thinking of others, and sharing with those around us. It is a time to love as God loved us, by uh, by giving of ourselves. In the book of Deuteronomy, we read, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt." Deuteronomy 1017 19. From the Gospel of John we hear, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 1334 to 35 Let us pray. Lord, teach us to love. May we always remember to put you first as we follow Christ, so that we may know you, your love and show it in our lives. As we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus, Fill our hearts with love for the world, that all may know your love and the one whom you have sent, your Son, our Savior. Amen.
2: The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Please
3: stand as you are able.
4: Walking in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Please join me in the confessional prayer. Lord, we are coming unraveled as we immerse ourselves in the busyness of the season. We are in need of a way back from the messes we create for ourselves because we too often reject your way to true peace. Lord, please forgive us, restore us, guide us, and renew us. Thank you, Lord, that in your loving kindness, you already stepped in and saved us. Your gift restored us and gave us back our lives. Amen. Amen.
3: Again, please stand as you are able as we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel.
2: I'd like to invite all of the children to come up, please. You guys can come up and grab a seat right here on the carpet. You guess what today's advent word is? Let me give you a hint. Love. How many of you love candy? Me too. It's so good I could eat it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So today's word love can be used a lot like saying I love candy. But we want to think about Jesus' love. At Christmas time, God sent Jesus not because he just felt like it or
0: just to change things up. No, he sent Jesus because he loves his people. That's you and me. And when we feel God's love, we can give that same love to others. This love is more than a love for candy. It's a love that lasts forever. So today, when you are eating
2: the candy I give you, you can remember that candy only lasts a little while, but God's love lasts
4: forever.
5: Our Bible says this about God's love in the book of Ephesians. Have one. Oh, we will speak the truth in love, so we will grow up in every way to become the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the body. He makes the whole body grow and build itself up in love. Under the control of Christ, each part of the body does its work. It supports the other parts. In that way, the body is joined and held together.
2: Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for this fourth Sunday of Advent. It is so good to learn more about you with all these special people here. We thank you today for your love. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus. Help us to show that love to all of our families, friends, and everyone we see this week. We love you. Amen. Okay, everyone, we're going to
0: say a blessing together. I'll say it first, then we say it together. Love the one, love the of the Lord be with you. Ready? The The Lord of the the Lord Lord be with you. you. Now we can head to Sunday school classes. Well, good morning again. Thank you. So we've been saying we've been camping out in the gym, and though we're done our camping trip, as you can see, we're still adjusting to a few things here. So we appreciate as we change microphones. Great. You're getting to put that patience into action right there. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Allison Pinches, and I'm one of the pastoral staff here this morning. Um, and throughout our lessons and carols service, we have um, three of us on staff that are going to be sharing a couple reflections from the passages that we've just heard. So when I was in high school, the movie Titanic came out. Now, I know I've just dated myself. Some are thinking, only high school? And for those of you who weren't born then, now I'm ancient. (laughs) Anyways, this movie was a huge deal, especially if you were a girl in high school. Everyone wanted to see it because of, because of, what was it? Oh, the boat. I I think it was the boat that every high school girl wanted to see. Anyways, I hadn't seen it yet, and we were out for dinner with family friends. The daughter was telling me about it, and I said, don't tell me, I don't want to ruin it. And she asks, you don't know anything? And I said, well, I'm pretty sure the boat sinks. (laughs) And she said, okay, I won't tell you. I'll just say that it's so sad when Jack dies.
6: (laughs) Huh.
0: Yeah, spoiler alert. I decided if you haven't seen it in the last 20 years, you probably don't really care. (laughs) I don't know who Jack is, but I have a feeling that's important Well, it was quite a different experience watching Titanic knowing the boat was going to sink and the protagonist was going to die Watching a movie knowing how it will end changes everything And when we hear these passages from Genesis and Isaiah, we know how it's going to end We read Jesus all over the place and into these passages and rightly so but we miss something when we do. We miss the profound longing, the heart-wrenching waiting, the generations who were looking past their lifetimes for one to come, and what happens in the waiting is crucial. Our Genesis 3 passage takes us back to the garden where we spent a lot of time uh, this fall in our sermon series. This tragic story of Adam and Eve's choice to be independent from God is marked not just by tragedy, but also by hope. Hope, it's right there at the fall. Yes, there will be a battle between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the snake, meaning there will be a battle between people and evil, but he will crush your head. One of the offspring of the woman will eventually crush and put an end to evil and the lies of the serpent. The fancy term we learned for this phrase is the proto-evangelion, which just simply means the first good news. And so with this first good news, this promise, they wait and look ahead for one day when all things are made right, when the consequences of the garden are reversed, and people live in right relationship with God, themselves, and creation once more. And they wait for the one who will make all this possible. As we read through the Old Testament and encounter various various characters, it begs the question, is this the one? Is this the one who will crush the head of the serpent? The one who will make all things right? With Adam and Eve's offspring, we ask, is this the one? And within lines, we are disappointed. Then Noah, kind of, but no. Abraham, Abraham. Again, kind of, but no. Isaac, Jacob, and then generations pass, and we meet Moses, the rescuer of God's people. Surely he's the one who will crush the head of the serpent, but no. And on it goes, Joshua. Then Israel gets kings, maybe one of them, but the kings come and go. Even King David and no Messiah. Years come and go, lifetimes, generations, hundreds and hundreds of years, And still they wait for the one to crush the head of the serpent. And then there's Isaiah. Isaiah who speaks more clearly than anyone before what this one will be like. The one who will crush the head of the serpent. The one who will break this terrible lie. And what does he say he's like? The message paraphrases for us. For a child has been born for us. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going, with fair dealing and right living beginning now and lasting always. But it's been thousands of years at the time of Isaiah's words, and it's still not time yet. Isaiah lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. Another 700 years of waiting and looking ahead to the one to come. When we read the end into the story, we can miss the waiting, and the waiting is crucial. What happens in the waiting? We are prepared, shaped. A path is cleared. Hearts are molded. The waiting is not wasted. It serves a crucial purpose. Lucy Shaw writes, It's the waiting that's hard, the in-between of divine promise and its fulfillment. Most of us find ourselves dangling in this hiatus, which in the interval may seem a waste of time. But this time is not wasted, not even close. Peterson, paraphrasing Romans, says, Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what's enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Our experience of life and faith is often one of waiting. And that can feel disorienting when we know the end of the story. We know that all tears will be wiped away and all will be made right. But that's often not our current experience. We are in good company. This has been the story of the people of God living in the tension of what is and what will be. What is being grown, created, transformed, and brought to life in you, in your waiting? We are enlarged in the waiting, Amen. Let it be.
2: Micah five two to four, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth.
3: Again, please stand as you are able. We sing, O little town of Bethlehem. <laughs>
5: Luke 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her,
3: We stand as you are able as we sing angels we have heard on high.
7: And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us.
3: As you are able, please stand as we sing God, rest ye merry gentlemen. Be seated. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I want to take a moment and share a little reflection on particularly that last passage we read about um, Joseph. As much has been said about Mary. Um, different traditions venerate her in very different ways. We talked about that at our talk back session the other week for those who were there. Um, She's lauded and praised as an image of willing faithfulness and devotion to God, and rightly so, and to her being praised as the most blessed among women. But we don't talk a lot about Joseph, do we? The earthly, adoptive father of Jesus. But in this short section, uh, just read a moment ago in Matthew 1, we get this little glimpse into Joseph and his role in the Christmas story. We see a humble man, a righteous man and a faith filled man, a man who had to trust deeply in the words of this divine creature who that just must have been a bizarre circumstance. Could you imagine a divine creature, an angel visiting you and you just have to trust what they say. You just have to believe that they're, they're not totally just, you know, someone off their rocker. We also see a man who had every right every right to leave his betrothed wife, Mary. And he clearly considered it. Under many circumstances, this would have been the right and the good thing to do. And yet this angel appears and gives Joseph a a different mandate Instead of quietly leaving Mary as he was maybe planning to do, he ends up being given a far greater task to be somehow, I don't know how this works, somehow a father figure to God incarnate. The child that would bring redemption to the people, to his people and beyond. The child that was the Lord, even at birth. The child that was God incarnate, God with us, Emmanuel. In some ways, Joseph is unique among the biblical story. There's a few other examples like this, but this is the most uh, the most prolific in my mind. He is unique in the grand biblical story because in a uh, very patriarchal, male-dominated culture, he plays a secondary role to not only the child Jesus, but to his wife, Mary. And that's okay. Though I'm sure it was fraught with difficulties and challenges, Joseph embraces this unique role as the adoptive father to Jesus and as, a hun- and as a husband to the mother of God. In our world today, we love the idea of being exceptional. In fact, there is a large country just south of here that they built their whole country on exceptionalism. We're probably not far off, though. Sorry. Actually, that was very Canadian mean to say that. <laughs> and so I wonder, when we are in this world of exceptionalism, where we really try very hard to be just unique and like we have to stand out among the pack, what does Joseph's story have for us about the idea of playing a secondary role? What can we learn from Joseph's submission to God? How can we learn to be okay with the story not being about us, but rather being about something far greater than us? Even in our own church today, we have that opportunity. We are not simply individuals, but we are the body of Christ with many parts offering different aspects of how we do things week in and week out. We all have unique roles to play, some of them on the forefront, some of them behind the scenes. I think particularly of Dennis Gray, who has been here literally all week, getting everything ready in this space. And while, and while I was busy like tinkering away in my office on like the stupid slides, he was making sure we had sound and video and audio for this Sunday. So that's uh we don't see Dennis up front, but we see him in a very significant role. So we all have this incredible, unique role to play. Sometimes it's not going to be on the forefront. Sometimes it is going to be secondary. Sometimes it is not going to be something except, exceptional, but it's going to be necessary. Joseph's role was necessary. But it was far different than Mary's, far different than Jesus's, far different than even John the Baptist's or Elizabeth or Zechariah. And now, let's consider how to continue to be the body of Christ as we pray for one another, pray for things happening in our midst, pray for things happening in our community. So would you pray with me in something that we call the prayers of the people? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this incredible, beautiful season. This, uh, I mean, I was driving down uh, the road just this morning on my way here and just your uh, life was just shining. The light was shining. The sun was shining colors of pink and red and orange as the sun rose. God, I think particularly of this season where uh, it is now the days are starting to officially get longer as of today. And along with that, we think of just new life, new birth. That is why we celebrate in this season. So God, we thank you for the beauty and the joy that comes with this. We thank you for this new space that we get to worship in this morning. And we thank you for Dennis, as we we, uh, said earlier, and, and countless others, many, many others who worked tirelessly to get it ready for this morning and for Christmas Eve so that we can be in our home together over the Christmas season. But God, most importantly, above all of that superficial stuff, which is important, but not as important as the gifts of Jesus that we get to celebrate in this season. So we thank you for that. God, we also think of those who struggle this season, people who might be struggling with depression, with loss, with loneliness, with separation and divorce, with split up families, we pray that we, we know that this season is sometimes very challenging for those who are in those circumstances. And we pray that even amid challenging circumstances, that they would find these little moments, these little pockets of peace and joy and hope and love. Would you, the incarnate Christ, meet them in that
7: place, Lord?
3: God, we praise you again for new life this week with the safe arrival of Christian and Alan's son, Tobias, and we continue to pray for his strengthening, the strengthening of that little baby boy who was struggling to breathe a couple days ago, but is now doing well. God, we thank you. We thank you that, uh, the, the, for the miracle of medicine and the wonderful things that these doctors and nurses can do, and we pray that you would bring him to full strength. We pray also for all the other new moms and dads who are maybe feeling sleep-deprived and tired, especially in this season that is a little busier than we'd like it to be. We pray an extra measure of grace over them. We pray for Bill and Dale Klein who suffered that garage fire at their farm, including the loss of some chickens. And we pray for them as they sort out uh, the details of insurance. It's just such an unpleasant thing to be dealing with at this time of year. And so we just pray over them and we pray your grace and peace over them. We pray also for Diane Boyd as she preaches for the call in Rockwood today. May your will be done and we pray your blessing and favor over her. We pray for a favorable outcome for your kingdom to move in a new and fresh way. In their community, we pray also for uh, Ken Oak as he does a gospel presentation at the Christmas outreach concerts this week in in Megala. We pray that the expats who are living in the area that they might seek to connect with Jesus as they are reminded of the Christmas message. We pray for all who are experiencing health challenges. We pray for Margaret Cohen as she continues to recover. Anyone who is suffering silently. Lord God, would you be with them? We thank you for this time now. We thank you for the opportunity to hear the prayers of your people. Amen. Would you stand again (laughs) as we sing Hark the Herald? Oh wait, no, there's a reading first, isn't there? There's a reading. I got that wrong. I, I, like, cued Ruth up so beautifully, and then I just messed it up myself. Go ahead.
8: Luke 2, 8-16. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger.
3: Now let's stand. So we sing, Hark the Herald, angels sing. Hark the her-
9: from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod this heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child.
3: Stand again as we sing. Oh holy night. This is a song that is traditionally done in like this really solo type fashion. And I want to just encourage us this. this is a beautiful song for us all to collectively, corporately worship God to. Let's sing this out.
10: Reading from John 1, 1 to 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was got with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him... Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that all through him might all believe.
11: Good morning. So this is pretty awesome, eh? I love that we are having our Lessons and Carols service on the Sunday when we re-enter the sanctuary because there are a bunch of reasons why I enjoy this particular service. One is all the people who are involved. There are a ton of people moving parts that make up a service like this. And it feels really right and fitting that on a Sunday when we're coming back into a space that so many people have worked on so hard that we should have that much participation in the service. The other thing I love about Lessons and Carol's services is the way that we hear the story from the beginning of the Bible, the story of Jesus starting in Genesis all the way through to the New Testament. Um, My mom Tells the story about when I was 10 years old, and I was in a worship service with my family, and the the preacher was preaching, and apparently it had gone on for quite a while. Uh, my mom says it, it had hit the 60-minute mark, and yep, some of you <laughs> may remember remember sermons like that. Uh, and I was drawing a picture. Uh, my Mom had given me a piece of paper and and some pencils and I was sketching away and I drew the preacher and this church had a massive wooden pulpit and except I drew the pulpit as a rocket ship blasting off into outer space. And my mom's interpretation of this was that I was sending the preacher (laughs) into the outer orbit of the cosmos and trying to end the service. You can think of John chapter 1 as the exact opposite of that. John starts his version of the story of Jesus with God on high in the beginning. But from there on, God is coming down. God is drawing close. God is putting himself in our place. Those words in the beginning take us back to Genesis And We learn about this mysterious word that's referred to in this reading. First of all, we learn that the word is personal, that he was with God in the beginning. We learn that the word is creative and brings life. We learn that the the word sheds light on all people. So the word comes with light. And a lot of the readings we've had today, we've seen the light dawning. We also learn that the word is on the move. We think of the word is something, it sounds kind of static, but in this case the word is dynamic. From the heights that we begin with in John chapter 1, God begins to pour himself out. And as we come down from the heavens where God resides, we see that this light that is coming among us enters into conflict with the darkness. Now we know that God is light, in him there is no darkness, but for us, our experience of relationships, our experience of the world is that we fight each other, we have a hard time getting along with people, even people we claim to love, and often we seem incapable of love. We are selfish people most of the time, and we're kind of trapped in that darkness and find it hard to get out of it. And so Jesus recogniz- recognizes that and steps into that darkness And that is the hope of the gospel. The true light is already shining. Some of you may have heard that yesterday was the shortest day of the year. It was the darkest day of all. As of this morning, the days are getting longer. And whenever we come to that point in the year, I always think of Narnia. If you know the story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you'll know that in Narnia, it was always winter. It was always winter because the white witch kept it always winter. It was always winter and never Christmas. But we're also told in that story that one day the great lion, Aslan, who is a Christ figure, will come and return to Narnia. And the prophecy goes that wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. And so the ice began to melt in Narnia. Aslan is on the move. The word has come among us. Jesus has set victory into motion. And I I like the way, you know, Allison started us off with waiting. And Justin brought us into waiting together as the body of Christ. And here we come to the turning point, the moment that changes everything. What may be the most amazing line in the whole of the Bible, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that is probably the best summary there is of what Christmas means. It's the story of Emmanuel, this word that means, this name for God that means God with us. The word became human and lived among us. But I... I don't know about you, I'm always asking myself, why would God have done that? If it had been up to me, I would have done it differently. Why wouldn't God have come as an emperor, as the ruler of the most powerful kingdom in the world with armies at his beck and call? Why would God come as a baby born in poverty in the middle of nowhere? Why would God make himself weak like that? Flesh... This word flesh implies brokenness. Flesh gets broken and bleeds. And that is at the heart of this Christian idea we call incarnation, which is what Christmas is about. It's only as God takes on flesh, as God comes among us, as God sacrifices so much, as God empties himself, as he gives up what is most precious to him, that any of this, the light, the change, the hope, becomes possible. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. He says, taking that verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And so the birth of Christ calls us to reconsider how we live here and now. God has shown up in a way that surprised us, that I think we still have trouble recognizing, And we're called to humble ourselves, to love others, to serve them, to get close to them, to take risks, to no longer keep our distance. It's my privilege as your pastor to hear all the ways that you are doing that and the stories I could tell this morning. I want to give you another opportunity to be bearers of light, to be bearers of the image of God, to follow the light tonight. And tomorrow night, a group of us are going to go out caroling here in the neighborhood. We're going to meet here at the church at 5 p.m. And that's Sunday, this afternoon at 5 p.m. and tomorrow at 5 p.m. And we are going to walk around and sing songs. You ever tried this before? It's, it's profoundly weird, but, but wonderful. It's wonderful and so countercultural. First of all, you're walking. Second of all, you're singing, and you're going to people's doors, you're imposing, and hey, we'll find out how that works out, won't we? We're going to be handing out invites to our Christmas Eve service, which is on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., and we're going to wait to see what the Holy Spirit will do, what doors, literal and otherwise, that he will open. And there may even be musical theater involved. There's, There's a rumor of that. How many of you actually like musical theater that's okay, so you're coming right you'll be there I, i've been working on just bear with me here because if you haven't been around i've been ranting a bit about musical theater and and I kind of regret that now i 'm coming i'm coming to see that that I was wrong and so so it's a conversion moment for the pastor so I've adapted a classic, and and it goes like this. Devere, drive is alive with the sound of music. (laughs) Did you see how drive and alive rhymed in that? that, Wasn't that musical theater? Okay, so we need help because I can't lead the singing when we go caroling, so I, I hope you will be there. An amazing thing has happened. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Christ moved in just around the corner. God has met us in an astonishing way. His love has come alongside us. His word guides us. And thanks to Jesus Christ, we can be at home with him and with one another like we never thought possible. We are loved. And all God's people said, Amen. Happy Christmas. Once a month at Courtright, we take up an offering, and we're doing that this morning. If you're visiting with us, and I I do see some visitors, we don't want you to feel any pressure to give as the plates are passed. This is for those of us who call Courtright our home church, and it is certainly an act of worship. So uh, the ushers will come forward now to take up the offering.
3: sing the doxology and praise to God. Praise God, the room
12: bless
11: Dear God, we thank you for all your many blessings. And on this morning, we thank you for this room. We thank you that you have brought us together in this place. It's not by accident that we're here. We thank you that you have provided for our congregation in so many ways. We praise you and we ask that you would be with us in our families. As individuals in this season, you are a God who is always showing up. Give us eyes to see that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing one more carol together as we close out our time
3: in carols and lessons. Come all you faithful.
12: We'll praise His name. We'll praise Your name forever. We'll praise Your name forever.
11: Friends, go in peace. And may the love of God our Father, may the amazing grace of his son Jesus, and may the encouragement and wisdom of the Holy Spirit be with you today, in the week ahead, and forevermore. Happy Christmas.